You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Bites, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast.com and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 50th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This week, we are joined by special guest Mo Bruno Roy, cyclocross national champion in the single speed. Such an honor to have a national champion on our wait, podcast. Wait, 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 wait. Is that, is that where you start with the accolades there? You, does single speed world champion trump that? Or? I don't know. That is a, that's a legitimate question. Is based that a real race? Sh- based on the shenanigans. What would oh, you okay. Yeah, where 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 do we start here? N- Masters national champion, regular national champion, or bronze medal, um single speed national, right. world world single, world speed. single speed. What where where do we put on top? Where do, where do we start? I don't know. I mean, I race small 100%. Info. So <laughs> All right. Hang on. Let's let's do it this way. Welcome to the 50th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast, featuring special guest Mo Bruno Roy, starter of 300-plus cyclocross races, DNF'd only twice. That's wow. pretty impressive. That was I didn't pretty realize that. <laughs> you may have to take I DNF more the, than uh... that every year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, who cares? We have Mo Bruno Roy on the podcast, and um, real exciting stuff going on. So, Mo, real quick, this past weekend at Gent Villegum, uh, Jack Bauer of Cannondale Garmin got all mad and threw his bike to the ground. Did you ever do that as a professional bike racer? Oh, no, I have not done that. And <laughs> part of that reason is I think it's pretty temper tantrum like behavior and pretty disrespectful to the mechanics who basically own that equipment and run that equipment and make it perfect. So if you want to have your temper tantrum and throw your mechanics bike around like a big old brat, I don't think that's very cool. <laughs> so, so no, I've never done that. <laughs> nice. Now I can totally see why you were sponsored by seven bikes because A, you would <laughs> never want to throw around a seven and then B, it's because of that type of response. So man, awesome answer. We should yeah, just yeah. forward that onto the professional <laughs> bike racers. It could be part of their media training that maybe you got this wonderful piece of equipment to race your bike on and maybe you just don't throw it. Mm-hmm. You know? So you maybe stomp your, your feet like a like a three year old instead. So, <laughs> so you talk about media training. Did you ever have media training when it was just uh, when, when I mean when you were starting your team? Were you ever on like a big team, or were you just kind of? Uh... I was a soigneur for the Saturn cycling team from um, two thousand, basically two thousand with the Timex women's pro team to two thousand three when the Saturn finished their. Um, contract. So yes, I sat in on all of Team Saturn's media um, contracts and training for the athletes. I'm really trying not to interrupt you to tell you. Look did you, you know that I your arms a, with excitement. Did you know I owned a Saturn wagon? Oh wait, no. you probably listened to that one podcast when your husband Matt Roy was on and I shared my story why I bought the Saturn wagon. Now I recall you mentioning that. Yes. So I also worked for the team. So yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's- yep. Swanier. So you were a swanier? That was so you... basically my introduction to pro cycling, yes. So you're you're a massage therapist? Yep. I thought you were a scientist. 
No. (laughs) No, I'm not. And that tweet I put out about learning, talking about science was totally wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally out of left field. I'm a fan of anatomy and physiology, but that is not yeah. science. Science. <laughs> Massage it turned, out, science. it turned out to be a pretty good joke, though, too. Yeah, well, that's why I ran a with lot it. Of people after, picked I, that up. After, I, after I realized <laughs> that it was totally wrong. Mm-hmm. That's weird, Tim being wrong. About oh, I thought you were joking. <laughs> no. no. He's just being wrong. Oh, that's no, usually I, I, when Tim's joking, he's just Tim, misinformed. I went to art school, so I'd never have to do math or science again. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> so how did you get into um, professional bike racing? Um, basically, Besides the Swanier, like before you were a Swanier or after is what I was getting at. Mm, let's see. I didn't race myself much until after I was a Swanier. So I did a little bit of mountain bike racing before that, just for fun. And I was introduced to cycling by Tim Johnson. We went to high school together. Oh. So, Yeah. So he helped me get my first mountain bike. Mo, did did you watch any professional bike racing this past weekend? Mm, I follow. Yeah. Yes, I did actually. And who won the race that you were watching? Um, I saw um, Lizzie Armistead win Trofeo Alfredo Binda World Cup. Nice, nice. And Which World I Cup saw- was that? That Just was. Trofeo Alfredo Binda World Cup in Italy. <laughs> oh, that was the one in Italy? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was the, the one, one she in just said. I, That wasn't Lizzie Armistead that won that? No, that was Florcia nope. Makaj that won the women's Gen- Wevel Gum. Yep. And that's not part of the Women's World Cup? Um, I don't know if it is a World Cup this year. All, so yeah, I don't know. I'm going to be totally honest. All I know about the Women's World Cup is that they have the leaders' jerseys. That are that have the old school rainbow design, so it's not the world championship rainbow that the men's used to have. That's my limited knowledge of women's road racing and World Cup. And yeah. a lot of that I feel has to do with the coverage. I'm, granted, I'm a little lazy to go out and seek it, but I get really frustrated when I can't even watch. You know, it's 120k to go, and the men's get Veligum, and the women are coming up for like 10 to go, and you can't even see the final 10k, let alone the entire race um, unfold while the men are just kind of going through feed zones so that's that's my honest take on it i don't have anything else to really add sure the cover the coverage is not good it's getting better yeah. but it's still not great yeah, yeah it's kind of frustrating i'm not sure were, were there uh were there any bike throws in the women's race i didn't see any bike flow throws and i did not not see any wind blown uh photos either like massive mm. people in rivers kind of thing so they managed to not all crash themselves into the ditch together. I guess so. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I, unless the media coverage, like you said, was lacking. Yeah, it could, it could just be lousy media coverage. That's true. All right. So I I, I got to get to the hard-hitting questions here, Mo. You announced your retirement at Cyclocross Nationals in Austin. Did you know your retirement was coming up? Like, was it already decided or did you just decide in the last, like, month or so that you were going to retire? No, it's it's been, like, two years coming. Okay, so. so when you were at Nationals and it was filled with mud and you're sitting there looking at the course knowing it's going to be perfect conditions for your, you know, your quest to want to return to the podium, was that like a lot, you know, you wanted to go out with the bang of that national title or kind of that that quest and that's why you were so outspoken against the uh the cancellation because I was right there with you when you were just going off on the the Twitter about the cancellation it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed in the cancellation. 
uh, partly because the conditions on Sunday were better suited to me. Sure. Um, but partly because uh, cl- like somebody didn't do their homework. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot, there was a lot, lot of um, uh, over sites and oh so and so should have done this and so we thought somebody did that and you know i'm i'm not very computer savvy you know my my skype is like it's my first day um and all i needed to do was google i googled this is our first day at podcasting too (laughs) i used i used the google and i looked up zilker park and austin Mm-hmm. And I just looked, clicked on a few pages. It took me probably a total of five minutes, and within within a couple minutes, I found a, an entire page that listed all the associations, friends, and park um, like protection services and things like that that you could find associated with. Zilker Park, and there was the friends of. There was one called Tree People. You know, the, oh, the city parks, community. there were all these things listed that took me seconds to find that would have been a great place for somebody to start contacting all those people. Um, I don't know. Would they have two years to plan the event? <laughs> At least. Um, so I'm just, I'm just going to say, I'll throw it out there that it could have taken them five minutes to say, here's a list of people we should definitely email and say, we're having this event. And I, it didn't happen. So it's it's, it's reasons like this and that answer that you gave about throwing bikes that I can see why um, so many people within the industry actually respect you because you seem really organized, right? I try Um, to be pretty organized. Well, I I get like I have Matt Roy to keep up with, who's like organ organized, organized, but Spencer forwarded me me your email list. Like the M M&M, and M, the M M Racing email list, where you send out like email updates about what's actually happening. Oh, we yeah. tried that once with an amateur bike race team that that uh, <laughs> we had started, and I think it lasted one email blast to like yeah. my mom and dad. Mm. You know, <laughs> I, it is it is trickier though. The more people that are involved in anything, the harder it gets to herd the cats. You know, so yeah. I think when you're working with an amateur team, if it was three people, you might have you might have gotten two emails to your mom instead of just that one. <laughs> uh. But um, (laughs) it is harder when you have more people because things can easily get passed off and looked over. Mm -hmm. When it's just the two of us, it's, you know, did you do this? No. Did you do this? And that's that's it. The the trail ends very quickly. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's helpful for us. So as I was doing research, uh, Spencer and Little Guy, and we were bouncing around different articles on uh, Mo Bruno Roy. Mm -hmm. And – one of the ones Spencer sent me was this the bicycling magazine interview you did, mm-hmm. which was really the, cool. The most recent one. Yeah, yeah. And what really yeah. struck struck me in the interview was uh, throughout the the term, and this goes back to Matt, is that you were constantly using the the us and we when talking mm-hmm. about your actual like racing and retirement. And yeah. so, uh, of course, you talk about Matt, who is our first podcast guest. Um, but can you speak a little bit about that uh, relationship in terms of like your sporting career, in particular cyclocross? Yeah, I mean, I got into bikes, you know, before I met Matt, um, doing some mountain bikes and, and uh, things like that. But, you know, he was pretty much on the scene the whole time that I got into trying cyclocross and working with pro teams and um, getting my first road bike. And, um, you know, he's super, super organized and, and incredibly capable at being a mechanic. And so, um, you know, it was pretty, kind of an easy transition for us to say, hey, let's do this thing together. Um, and I think it really speaks to the longevity of 
my my career slash our career is that I mean I I've seen very few people in a relationship be able to travel and dedicate themselves to sport while leaving a spouse at home. So I just I don't imagine it would ever have worked. Well, something would have failed drastically, um, you know, if we didn't do this together. So it's we're pretty fortunate that we're both um, you know so willing to be on on the team together, and that's. Mm-hmm. It's just fantastic for us. So yeah. Now so that I it's... think I would have quit years ago if Matt was like, uh, <laughs> I focus on this PhD 100 percent and you know not travel. So I just I probably would have packed it up. Yeah. Could have the... worked. Uh, you could have started the goat goat farm uh, years ago, though. It's true. I grew up with goats, though. I grew up on a small farm, and I uh, had goats. And I mean, they're little. They're cute when they're babies, but they are finicky little animals. They're cute when they're medium sized, even. <laughs> we did have one that we had pygmy goats, and one of them was a pygmy runt, so she always stayed baby sized. Now that was a cute goat. All right. Yep. That's pretty good. So, <laughs> wait, wait, so I'm, not, I'm uninformed. Are you going to actually start a goat farm now? I'm not going to start like a goat farm. A long running no. goat joke. That you yeah, you know, okay. I like animals. I like baby animals. I think, you know, I follow an Instagram called Goat Lovers Anonymous. I mean, <laughs> sounds pretty good. I, you know, um, oh, man, so, it sounds like you could have had a fan club where everyone was wearing goat masks. Right? Awesome. I'm not, I guess that I'm not, would, like, wouldn't be goat. creepy at all. <laughs> oh. Wait, I have a, I have a follow up oh, animal question then. Yes. Um, I, I saw one of your cats named Pippin. Is that after Scotty Pippin? No, the other cat is named Mary. So Matt has named them after Pippin and Mary, the two hobbits, and Lord of the Rings. All right, that's oh. pretty cool. Which seems a little bit more appropriate for cats because they like to eat the second breakfast and elevensies and and all those <laughs> hobbit things. <laughs> Pippin hobbit. has really furry feet, like a hobbit. <laughs> like a hobbit. <laughs> yeah, I think they have some hobbit qualities. <laughs> What's on the uh, bucket list for first thing you guys are going to do now that you don't have to um, drive to Iowa City for Jingle Cross? Oh, I love that race, actually. It's one of my favorites of all time. Really? So are you yeah. going to go? No. Do the single speed? Oh, because you're retired. <laughs> no, <laughs> I probably won't go, but I've always loved that race. <laughs> I really yeah. like John, the promoter. Super, super good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are yeah, you going to do? Iowa City is like a cross? secret gem. Oh, yeah. What's that? Yeah. Jingle Cross is a secret gem. I don't know. That's when we're going to really feel the difference in um, my schedule. I think I might start doing all those things I started to wish I was doing when I was racing every weekend, though. And that's when I knew it was time to to consider retiring. What what do you mean by that? Like you wanted to – like you were angry at your bike or – No, it's just that – it was just that every single weekend – was racing and it takes all day to do a 40 minute race. You know, like you, it doesn't matter. You wake up super early. Maybe, get at, maybe at your level. <laughs> yes. At my level, it takes the entire day from like 7am to 7pm to do a race. Yep. And every once in a while you think it's, it's October. It's like the best month of the year. I wish it was October six months out of the year. It's my favorite. It's also my birthday month, but the, you know, sometimes I'm us, like, we have a track record of showing up, of like leaving for a bike race, maybe 45 minutes before it starts. And then yeah. showing up at the start line, mm-hmm. and while we're pinning mm-hmm. on our numbers, you don't recommend that style. Is that why we're not pros? You know, it's fine to do that. There's a, there's actually an element of that I, I wished I could have gone back to do. 
you know, the same with the folks like drinking beers after races and hanging out with friends. Those are things that all look super fun to me, but you don't have that luxury when you're racing pro. So I recommend it. If you enjoy it, do it. <laughs> it gets the heart rate up. It like yeah. cuts out having to do that warm up before the race. It's, I mean, I'm, I kind of, I'm into what? it. I'm sure Spencer, it has have you a- ever done a warm up? Maybe. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> You've so, done some pre ride laps. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to do some of the other fun things that you can do in October and November, like, like hiking. Carve a pumpkin? Like, what do you do? Well, okay, hiking. But, yeah, like carve a pumpkin. I haven't carved a pumpkin yeah. in years. I see pictures of my nieces doing it, and they look like they're having so much fun. So, maybe I'll hang out with my nieces and carve pumpkins. You know, pick apples good. with, you know. Hey, we have pick a, apples. Uh, I highly recommend that. I know a guy who owns an orchard or works at an orchard. <laughs> I don't Sounds great. You will. You I'll go to pick an apples. If you happen to be in Minnesota, come pick apples. Come pick apples. So maybe I'll come to Minnesota and pick apples. I can do anything I want now. I don't have to yeah, worry about t- winning so a training. You're free. <laughs> so does, is part of that? Is part of that like you? You don't have anything to do, and and I know that you're retiring and you're 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 putting up the bike, but it seems like the options for women's racers are so much less than the options for men. Meaning that Mark McCormick retires and then can still go to the Masters 35 plus race and kick butt again like a giant field do you have hmm. that in new england with women's racing or no. is it we, we have we have no elite masters women's category there's a three four uh, okay. masters women's category and they race with the three fours so somebody like me couldn't um, join that field um so yeah there's no place for me to go if i don't want to train year round and race against you know world's world cup racers then i get to retire that's that is the option um, okay. I, I could, I could kind of not really train and then start doing really poorly, but I think most people understand that you have it, you have an in ego in sport and I don't, I don't want to race at the back of the pack. I don't want to used to be good. Um, so that's, that is part of, you know, my motivation to be able to do things year round that are different and exciting and fun and you know, I've never been mountain biking in the fall. It's amazing. Um, so there's lots of fun things I can do, and I can still race single speed if I want to. And I think single speed is my master's category. That's my option. Luckily, I love it. Does that mean you'll be racing at Spencer? What's that? <laughs> you'll be oh, that I can race against I have raced against Spencer. Yes, I have beat Spencer a lot. <laughs> have you lapped Spencer? <laughs> That's cool. I have hey, never we lapped. We could all start like- like a little club. We've got people who have beat yeah. Spencer. Aww. <laughs> I'm in that club. It's an elite crew. It's an elite crew. It's crew. It's, but I'm, are, I didn't know you cool were people. in the club. That's great. I'm glad so, you joined. Let's get down and dirty <laughs> then. What would you change about cross racing since you never have to show up? Like, like what, what do you want a promoter to change your USA Cycling? Because... Now it doesn't matter if you're going to get chosen for the national team. So you really have that ability to say <laughs> what you want to change. So let's let's get to it. What what would you change? About what are you asking? What payout. would I change? <laughs> let's talk about women's payout. How, uh-huh. What what yeah, would you like yeah, to see? I, I think I think I think it's it's not well. Let's see. I guess it it, it goes tenfold. You you uh, you know UCI to USAC to the promoters. It would be great if there was a, a mandate on minimum wage, essentially. Um, I don't know if that, that minimum, will happen. Would minimum, but, minimum wage be the same for men as women? That's what you want? I think it should be. Yeah. 
think it should be. Nice. Yeah. And I think the same with, um, you know, equal, equal payout. Um, there's really no incentive for promoters to come up with that extra money. And it's a lot of work for them. There's a lot of promoters trying their best to come up with somebody who would fund that gap. And they have no luck. And, you know, the burden just falls on the promoter to be like, well, so-and-so didn't come up with the women's prize list. They must be a jerk. You know, they might have they may have been trying and trying, but the money like money doesn't grow on trees, you guys. It doesn't just come from yeah. uh, somewhere else in the U.S. We we have a shortage of money across the board, so they're you know they're not really pull they can't really pull it from somewhere else. And I wish they could. I wish I could just say, you know, pull it from the men's category. And um, it's possible that the men should get less until the women can get as much, mm-hmm. and then they would essentially pull it from. The men's category. Yeah, yeah then, then we'd find money. You know, so if they can't get if they can't get the money, right? I think that's I think that's the thing is if you can't find that external money to cover that gap, you know, a, a sponsor of the women's elite um, race, uh, then you just, then you could just pull it from the men's, and the men would get two hundred and sixty dollars to win a UCI race, and then they might start coming up with the money. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> I come, from, I come from a school of tough love. I'm not afraid to uh, suggest something unfavorable like that. Well, I think that there's actually probably quite a few people that would agree with you, though, even on um, the men's side that, that is looking for that kind of equality across the board. Yeah. And the problem is, is, you know, you, you could do that for the and it, it would be for the principle of it, for the point of it, because ultimately that's still not enough. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, that doesn't cover airfare. That doesn't cover your hotel. Like you can very rarely make back what you spend to get to these races. And I think that's the problem is, you know, even if on principle you make it equal, nobody, everybody's going to be, you know, credit card debt like crazy um, or, or and sponsors. Especially or, that did, and then going to Europe too, right? I mean, that had to be such a financial strain to be able to do the Europe swings even to get yeah. to the world's. Yeah, I mean, at Worlds you pay for yourself. There's, there's just, there's no assistance there, and you know it's such an honor. But at the same time, you're like, you've been selected for the to be part of the U.S. team. Here's your bill. It's over a thousand dollars right away. So crazy. Um, it's very, it's really that is crazy. It's uh, what yeah. Is you, USA you have to give the doing jacket, for us? Have to give the jacket back. <laughs> Wait, whoa, whoa! You had to give really? the jacket back? Yeah, they gave you vests and jackets to borrow. You don't know. That's terrible. Oh, you have to buy your skin suit for like $150? Oh, man. Are you serious? You don't even get a, like a deal on the skin suit? It's just like a standard skin suit cost? Like they can't they can't give you like a prorated cost? I, wow. I hope now that the riders are getting, you know, a full kit of clothing, no charge. Now, I can't speak to that currently. But when I went, I paid for my uniform to race. And I had to give back the jacket I borrowed. <laughs> This is Sarah Goff, U.S. Olympian, and this is the Slow Ride Podcast. All right, so the one, one more no, you week. You were like segwaying. No, no, no. Well, you one more s- week. One no, more I week. I don't know how to segue into chamois cream, guys. It's kind of a uh, – I need a little bit of help here. <laughs> You need to grease the wheels a little bit? Yes. You know what you could use? What? Some buckler invocation. Oh, man, that's right. I need if – you, if you have any type of household needs around the house or cycling needs and you need a little extra um, comfort, 
some mm-hmm. uh, extra uh, viscosity. Some menthol know, flavors. Some menthol flavors. We know exactly who you should go to. You should go to bucklerskincare.com mm-hmm. and uh, take a look around. Maybe you're looking for some leg sheen. Um, you want to have that uh, peepo look for when you're yeah. uh, winning the town line sprint. I know I do. Some, dropped. Or you want some nice menthol-flavored um, chamois cream and use the code SLOWRIDE for 10% off. How is that? Are you yeah. suggesting people wear it around the house just when they're hanging out at home? Well, the for ten percent off, you can. It's like you can light it on fire, and it would still be a first, big deal. Speaking first of thing fire, in the, morning. the embrocation, the high heat embrocation, right there. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. dot com. Thanks for their support, their uh, support for the podcast, and also they have been a sponsor of our sixteenth place contest um, for the first two editions, Umloop, and then also at um, Milan San Remo. And next Sunday, we have another 16th place contest. All entries are due in on uh, Saturday evening at midnight for Tour de Flanders. And uh, Spencer, yep. who, who do we have stepping up to sponsor this contest? So we've got a very exciting sponsor for the 16th place uh, at the Tour of Flanders. <laughs> I got an email, you guys. I got an email from somebody who's uh, who, after their name and the little at symbol in their email address, it said trekfactoryracing.com. Uh, so yeah, that's official. Like that's legit. Was it Frank Schleck? Frank Schleck. (laughs) It was. Frank sent me an email and said he'd been listening to little guy's, uh, advice. And he, he said his jersey was not fully zipped. Um, Oh, good. Yeah. And he wanted to see his chest. I don't know if it's actually (laughs) him. Right. So he said he wanted you to be able to experience that same uh, feeling or or possibly any one of our, our listeners. Um, and Trek Factory Racing is going to um, step up and sponsor our contest with a factory racing jersey, a musette bag, and a uh, cycling cap, not a hat. So that's exciting news. So we have and, three uh, items. It's a musette bag, a cap, and a jersey. We have three items, and and he said, uh, you know, they they want the winner to be the 16th place winner to be picked to be chosen. But uh, should should it be somebody that uh, multiple people chose, they'll cover up to three people. Wow. So they're willing they're willing to go three deep if uh, if the same guy is picked uh, by multiple people. So um, now, is this a conflict of interest having Trek Factory Racing sponsor the 16th place contest and we don't pick Gregory Rast? Absolutely not. Although my pick is Gregory Rask. Um, oh, it is. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's totally uh, irrelevant to this whole thing. But is that just because he got sixty first last time, and he and he he tweeted us, and so you just want to send your love back to him? Fine. Now he's not my pick. You guys make fun of me too much. Hey, uh, Mo, do you have right, a pick for sixteenth place at Tour de Flanders? Um, I do. Carmen Small. <laughs> that oh. is a good choice. I think she'll probably finish better than 16th. Though. I, I like think what she you might really too. did there. I want to yeah. applaud that because I, w- <laughs> I didn't even recognize the women's tour to Flanders. Oh, I know you didn't. <laughs> Come on. I'm not uh, most, pe- most people don't pay attention to women's cycling. And it's okay. I don't actually follow men's cycling. Oh, man. This is oh. maybe so I don't know any of these contests would be a women's <laughs> cycling race. So it's maybe. just a. I just like they're happening, idea. you know, on the same day and stuff. Oh. I know. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Thanks. If Carmen, 
small gets 16th place, you may be getting a sweet prize from Trek Factory Racing. Excellent. <laughs> so, Spencer. Yeah. Who have you picked for the men's race? Uh, I am going to go with uh, French sprinting superstar uh, Demar uh, from the FDJ team. You know, funny story, Andrew Fry, a friend of the podcast, texted me this morning and said, hey, I was in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, and I picked Dumar for um, Ghent Velagum, and I and he said, Andy got 16th place, just my luck. And I wrote back, well, we didn't even do that race. Thanks for listening to the podcast. So he said <laughs> he that he's, uh, he's picking Dumar this week. Oh, he got 15th. Sorry, nice. little guy. Yeah. So, I'm staring at the results right now. So you've got Dumar. Little guy, who do you got for 16th place? I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Marco Mercado. Mm. I don't even know who that is. Um, I know you don't. I could have any if I didn't name one of the three guys, you wouldn't have known who it was. So. <laughs> well, I was going to pick Gregory but, Rast. You can, <laughs> but I heard Lizzie Armistead's name mentioned earlier, so maybe I would go with her. I and think then, she's going to be in the top five. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. She's probably story, not going to be. Yeah. I know she's good. All right, she's, I'm going to go with Gregory she's Rast. Going to <laughs> All right. All right. So. Excellent, and uh, so our uh, our listeners should should definitely think about it. Wait for the start list to come out and start tweeting at the uh, at the Slow Ride Podcast on Twitter. Uh, use the hashtag Sixteenth uh, Place um, to get your official pick in. You need to tweet at the at the Slow Ride account and hashtag Sixteenth Place so we know what you're talking about. That it's your official pick. Uh, that's the only way we're going to uh, accept them this time. So a little bit of rules are going into place. So And tweet tweet carefully because a lot of guys are going to fall down in the next three or four days. And, and, and <laughs> DNS. True. Like, there's the three days of the pain coming, and it's been windy, and everyone's been <laughs> falling down in Belgium. So, so mm-hmm. you know, just be careful. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That should be good. So, um, Mo. Did you read yes. that Georgia Gould article in Velo News about I her did. upcoming season and career? I did. Do you have any general thoughts on that? Like, I mean, you were teammates with Georgia at times. I'm, I'm assuming at the national level when you went. Yeah, to Worlds? Um, I didn't actually get to go to Worlds with her, but the year okay. she was at Worlds um, in the U.S. Um, the 20, uh, 2013 Worlds, I was a swanier for the U.S. team, so I'd okay. say we were teammates. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I get to talk to her on a regular basis, and we we chatted about some of the things that she had in that newsletter at nationals. Um, so I'm I'm certainly not surprised by any of her ups and downs, and um, nor by her sort of um, you know honest way of of speaking and um, being passionate about the sport. So yeah, I, she I'm one of her biggest fans, honestly, as as a person and as a bike racer. She is she's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So. What did you have? Did you have anything in common with those like thoughts as far as like the ups and downs? Because I mean, she, I remember on it was my cousin's wedding day when the Wyndham Mountain Bike World Cup happened, mm-hmm. and I'm watching on the uh, the stream, and I was so excited because she was going to win the World Cup, and then, you know, tragedy struck. Like really, like it was you know really heartfelt. You saw her crying afterwards, like, and I could only imagine the pain of like finally winning the World Cup, only to have a flat tire take it away from you. So yeah, close it's, to the end. it's pretty tricky. I mean, that situation's pretty sensitive and tough to do because it's two t- teammates. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole situation's 
it's a little bit messy and you know you can play it you can play if if you were playing it um with with a media focus in mind the the quote-unquote right thing to do is for her two teammates to push her and to have it be this epic photograph of her two teammates pushing her across the line because she deserved the win but they're all racers through and through and mm-hmm. sometimes you just you have to race to the very end and um I, you know, I, I certainly think when Georgia spoke to that event in particular, she said, you know, like we all would have done the same thing. Like we're all out there racing. Yeah, we're teammates, but it's it's not quite like road racing, um, you know, where you wait for somebody and you push somebody and, um, you know, you really just you just go all out. So I think, um, you know, you can see you can see the two sides of it where, you know, something might have been taken away from um you know, being assisted across the line by your teammates. It would have looked great for the, for media though. It would have been a great story. Um, but I don't, I don't know what the right thing to do is in that situation. Um, yeah. I never I got the, I never got the feeling that, that she felt that way from anything. Cause I mean, she had run such a, you know, it was very, um, I, I want to say politically correct in all of like the media. Like she never suggested that. But it was no, no. It was a... suggested by uh, like in commentary. It was suggested okay. that um, you know, okay. I I read the comments. I'll admit it. So I and I I don't think it was. I didn't see anything incredibly negative. I just saw how unfortunate that there was nothing that they could do as a team to prevent mm-hmm. that situation. Um, so ever... yeah, I think. Did you ever find yourself putting like the amount of pressure on yourself that that Georgia speaks about there with like all the you know doing so well that internalized pressure of being that that top level racer? Did you have? Yeah, I think everybody well? has it. I think it's it's a little harder when you're um, going for the Olympics, and I and I hear this from Olympic runners as well. Is you have you have this chance every four years, no matter what you accomplish. In the meantime, you know, nationals, worlds, et cetera, you, this, this Olympics is, it's not, it's, it's got some other element to it. Um, and you only have a chance at it every four years. It's not like nationals where you're just like, well, next year I'll just get a better result or, you know, you can compartmentalize things into 12 months of training or racing. So I do think it's a little bit harder for Olympic athletes to have that kind of pressure. Um, and because when you're, you know, especially when you're in the, media coverage of, of having um, meddled at the Olympics, you're, there's, there's just an expectation around you to keep that level up. And it's just, it's generally not possible. Um, you know, and this is why people get into using drugs, you know, because there's this sort of, you know, perceived and, and likely real, you know, expectation to always stay at this very, very high level. And, and naturally our, our physiology has peaks and valleys and you do experience those, even though in your head, you, you know, like Georgia had spoken to, you put the pressure on, like I busted my ass and I did everything right and it should all be working. Um, and I certainly had that mentality of, of sort of a recipe. Well, if I follow this recipe and I do all the things the coach tells me perfectly and all the numbers look great, all the results should look X, Y, or Z. Um, and then, you know, you find out there's eggshells in the batter and things just don't work out right. Um, all sorts of little things happen. Um, but it's hard to not put that expectation on yourself. Um, and I think we also have so much uh, immediate social media feedback too. Um, yes. That I think that, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably, it's probably harder and, you know, to filter through that where there's, you know, your fans and, part of the role of being an athlete as an entertainer, that's been a little tricky thing for me to deal with as a 
fairly introverted person is like, ah, shoot, I'm, I'm an entertainer. Like I'm a, like, that's my job. People don't want to see me talk about personal things and opinions on things. They just entertain me. Do your thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ride the bike. (laughs) <laughs> couldn't have been couldn't have been helped by uh coming out of the gate super strong too your first couple of seasons and just kind of building up these crazy expectations and having to continue like with that kind of level or that expectation on your shoulders like yeah for uh, me i sort of fell into oh third place at nationals you get to go to worlds like as somebody who was kind of like hanging out with my friends with the knee socks and the beers to all yeah. of a sudden like you're a world cup athlete and I was like, oh, yeah. I better lock it down and become this person. Uh, it, it, is, it took me years to figure that out and to, you know, really have a reserved presence and, a, you know, try to be that pro and try to, like, figure out my work situation, the finances. And, you know, yeah, it's tricky. And I imagine for somebody like Georgia who, you know, excels to that level. She, I mean, she and I raced together our first couple of years racing cross. I beat her in a sprint and Wissahickon once. And we were like, yeah, we're getting good at this sport. And, you know, she took a trajectory that was pretty, pretty stark also. So I imagine that she's, she's felt that pressure to just stay there, you know, yeah. and it's, it's hard to do. You just, you, you know, especially when you have another life that you're really into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if you don't know, Georgia Gould went to culinary school. She's an excellent chef. She's a trained Didn't chef. Know. She's also a chicken farmer. <laughs> oh my god! She, really? ride, she, she rides dirt bikes. <laughs> We're getting all yeah, the she's dirt. She's multi-talented. Yep. Wow. Yeah, she's multi-talented. Tim, she's Tim we should awesome up, update George's uh, Wikipedia page. <laughs> yes. Oh, we should. We should. We got tons of good info from Adam's uh, Wikipedia page last last interview we did. So nice. yeah, let yeah. me. Uh, do you have yeah, a Wikipedia we, page, Mo? I, you know, Matt just told me I had one. So somebody, somebody, one of my creepers started one. No, I'm just kidding. Somebody <laughs> really nice, somebody nice and thoughtful started one, which Wait, I think is great. You that's have crazy. Creepers? I was making a joke. No, I think I do have a creeper. <laughs> Not even kidding. <creeper. laughs> Some, somebody, maybe you're so listening. You, you Please tell it... me who you are. Some, somebody mailed me a letter congratulating me on my nationals, but they mailed it. With to my name at my sister's address, and my sister has a completely different last name than me in Maine. That's weird. That's really weird. So, I don't like that. And that's I can't creepy. read the sig- and I can't read the signature. Do you think that is- person that's mailing to a house <laughs> has the skills to make a Wikipedia page? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, I don't you. know. I don't know how somebody found my sister's home address though and mailed me a card there. Definitely well. not the skills of a Wikipedia editor. <laughs> so- yeah. I think a friend probably started my Wikipedia, like somebody nice that I like or that I'd probably know. Or Probably. That's probably I, a good bet. That's probably, probably. a good bet. Somebody with Maybe. computer or a creeper. Might be a creeper. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so as a, as a happy uh, retirement print, uh, the Slow Ride podcast went ahead and, and started a Wikipedia page for you because we noticed in our, you three in, our, in our research, you didn't have one. And no. That didn't make any sense. Oh, well, thanks, guys. You're the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Officially off the creeper list. <laughs> oh, now we're off the creeper list? <laughs> off the list. You haven't seen Tim with the mustache yet. Oh. <laughs> oh so, so, yes, you have a Wikipedia page. Thank you. And, um, you know, in doing background info for 
maybe going on to the Wikipedia, but see, it's very delicate when you create a Wikipedia page because you don't want it erased right away. So you have to, you know, it takes time to build to build a masterpiece. Rome wasn't That's, built in a day. It's true. So give, it's true. So give us some time. But yeah. in doing background info on this interview, we did hear from a former coach of yours, Adam Meyerson, another guest of the podcast. My first coach. <laughs> And you mentioned your skills, your ability, and your unlimited potential. Yes. And yes. he said, naturally, to reach that full potential, you would have had to go full-time on the circuit. Yes. To really sacrifice it all, to really get to that top step. How difficult yeah. was it to uh, make that decision between you know, going full-time and then you know, giving up almost everything to, to get from that level of drinking beer with your friends in tall socks to being – at the top. I mean, I, it, again, it was like a process. I never actually drank beer cause I don't like beer, which is sad, <laughs> but it all, it looks fun to me. Um, <laughs> my root beers, me and Spency drinking the root beers. Um, uh, it, it took some time. It was, you know, when Adam was right there at the cusp of like, okay, it's time to get your shit together and be a pro and all this potential. And I immediately was pretty overwhelmed by it. And, um, I stopped working with him. Um, basically it was all too much for me, too much too soon. So I needed to find my own way through that. Um, partly cause I, you know, I have a job that I love and I've, I, that already existed mm-hmm. and, you know, I have a relationship with Matt and he had started school and all of those things were already in existence. And those were things I had already made a commitment to. So the fact that I kind of fumbled my way into, you know, this elite cycling, world-class cycling, I needed to, I needed to find my way back there the way that I needed to. Um, I have a, I have a habit of taking roundabout routes to get to things like graduating college and whatnot. So it makes sense that I took a roundabout route to get myself, you know, finding that balance. So I, I gave it as much as I ever possibly could. You know, I never quit my job. I never didn't work. I didn't, you know, I didn't, um, you know, my 100% isn't somebody else's 100%. I didn't pour over videos of races and study manuals and I did I never uploaded training peaks or anything like that. So there was a, there was a limit to my you, level of commitment you, and You're breaking a whole lot of Cat Force hearts right now. I know, right? So what is it? Oh, no, you're giving them you're giving them hope that they don't have to do all that boring terrible stuff. I mean, you have, you have an intuition and a gut. You have to like, you have to trust it and work with it sometimes. If you're, if everything's always in your peripheral vision, these technology or, or, you know, external, um, voices or whatever, you, you, you don't ever tune into what you really want. And I do see people that, you know, sort of realize years later that this, they've been doing something that they haven't wanted or it hasn't been going their way. So I, I kind of, started that way so when you're fumbling your way through like would you if you were able to make a living at being that racer and have that you know there was sponsorship money to make it so you could go full-time is that something you would have done or are you still happy with how you kind of fumbled your way through your career I'm, i have to say i can't i can't say if um if i had started when i was younger would i have felt different i mean i was like, and then that's the thing is like, um, I, I don't know what it's like to ever have enough money to be able to think like that. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I couldn't literally afford to start bike racing until I was 28 and I had a couple jobs and, you know, I had I finished my 
art school degree and I felt like I had my, you know, my life sorted together. So I, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be able to not have a job. Um, you know, everybody in my family has two jobs and it's just how it is. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it seems, it seems like a fantasy or an imaginary life that somebody must have where they get to live off bike racing. I don't know. I don't know if I love it enough either. Um, so that's interesting. I mean, that's something I always struggled with is, you know, if I, if I love, I love being a competitor, I love being an athlete and I love training, but I don't know if I love bike racing per se enough to have made it my whole life. Hmm. So, so you, yeah. So you're, willing, you're willing to beat me at most any sports then is what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm always very cautious at birthday parties when it's like at the bowling alley that um, I don't start getting really serious. <laughs> well, I saw that you played ultimate Frisbee for a while. I did. Matt introduced me. To, well, I played a little with some high school friends, but Matt introduced me to it because he played in college. It's very good. What other but I, I was sports? terrible at it. I was I was a good <laughs> runner, and so I yeah. could go long. That was my move. I had one move at Ultimate Frisbee. I'll run as fast as I can and catch it in the end zone. That's it. <laughs> nice. yep. Not a str- strategist. Um, mm. I, I played field hockey in high school. Again, it was me it, running as fast as I could with the ball, and then it would just be me taking slap shots or or <laughs> or um, hooks on the goalie. That was it. Like nice. I had no moves, I had no nice. skills. Nobody could keep up with me. It was super weird, but I loved it. Because <laughs> we we didn't have ice hockey back then. But how do you uh, feel about fat bike nets? Is that next in the cards? Uh, no, I have no desire to race my fat bike. I mean, wait, you have a fat bike? Of course I do. How how would I get through this winter in Boston? <laughs> you know, you're 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 climbing the the rankings with this awesome answer about not giving it all up to be a professional bike racer and having multiple jobs and really awesome. And then you have a fat bike. It's um, true. I break all the molds. The, ooh, the I'm, Wikipedia I'm... page just got deleted. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> yep, never been cool enough to fit in. Don't you worry, you guys. I'm, I'm paving that path still. <laughs> yep. Nerd for life right here. <laughs> yeah, I love the fat bike. It's super fun, but I don't, I don't have any desire to race it. Um, I, I never learned how to ski really, so I don't really cross country ski. To be fair, um, I, I have snowshoes. Train too much to beat the two other people at, at fat bike nets, right? I don't. I don't know. I think it's a fun thing to keep me outdoors in the winter, where I would otherwise maybe be pretty upset about the weather. But yeah, I don't. I don't want to race that bike at all. Do we want to talk anything, uh, Spencer, Little Guy, and Mo about um, the Ghent Velogum at all? With the winds or no? Mo already touched on it. I don't know. Um, yeah. We talked out a little bit. Tour to whatever. Spencer could profess his love for Luca Polini as he usually does. That's true. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was so happy. Is that the guy that just yeah. won? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> man, you're, you're not – this is – oh, man. You're seriously just not into it, and that's awesome. Nope. Thank you for bringing levity to this podcast. <laughs> and for I, – I heard that Fabian's hurt, though, and I think he is pretty charming. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, all the uh, Cancelera's out and Boonin's out, and that is the two prettiest boys in cycling right. uh, out of the classics, you know? And so now we're we're Now who are we going to look at? Yeah, we're ushering well, in the new era. I do make he Matt. There. Well, I don't make him, but when Matt buys the Tour de France guide every year, I, I grab it so that I can look at all the new kits. Uh-huh. Mm. And I can I can inspect the outfits. 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that the, desi- is that the art school in, uh, experience? Yes. I'm right very there? critical of kit design. <laughs> you are? Yeah, I am. Oh, yeah. I didn't know and F. is one of my consistent favorites, though. Yes. I will say I'm, one of my I may favorite... not know any of the riders, but I do like their outfits. <laughs> Did you design the uh, Bob's Red Mill kit? Yeah, I've designed all of mine. Yep. That's a really Yeah, cool since kit. the since the white like the kit. Simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I've designed all of them. Oh, those. very nice. Good, Good work. Kit. Thank you. We've, we've I design them kit. on I print out the template and I use my um my colored pencils. I hand draw my own kits and then I take a picture and I email it off and somebody who has computer skills whips it up. Nice. Yeah, this year it was Mike Heenan. He did it. In, he did it in seconds. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> talented guy. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it was like magic. Nice. <laughs> Poof! It appeared on a computer screen, and then have printed you, out. Have you ever seen the uh, the Europe Car uh, kit over in Europe? Uh, um, my sister used to work for Europe Car, actually. Oh. Um, yeah, I, Tommy, I haven't Tommy seen the kit. kit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The dark green with the yeah. yellow white logo. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I'm sure Tim has a big update from our uh Europe car uh number one podcast fan. Um, oh Dan, Dan Craven? Craven? Yeah Dan from Nam. Yeah. How's you know, he doing? All I, all I saw is that he got like a hundred and sixty second place in the Criterium International. That's pretty good. Uh, one day. He DNF'd on, on, on the one last day, day. But then he DNF'd he, on the last day. So oh, no. he DNF'd on the third day. Yeah. Uh, well we're gonna it have It didn't to- sound sound like he was he was feeling that great. Yeah. Yeah, he said he's still got a bug he's got to get over. So he'll be fine. All right. Yeah. They're coming so around. Cool. Well, those kids are Mo, okay. we would really like to thank you for joining us. Um, Thanks for having 50th, me. The 50th time. Our one year anniversary of the podcast. The 50th. I can't think of a better way. Um, well, yeah, we took some weeks off here and there. And, uh, you know, for our racing schedule. Mm. We're Union and, um, Shop. <laughs> we are Union <laughs> Shop. But uh, thank you so much. And Actually, speaking of that, I got to take a break right now. We'll just have to do the finish in a couple minutes. <laughs> um, BucklerSkinCare.com. Use the code SLOWRIDE for 10% off. Um, you can always email us at the slowridepodcast at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter where you can send us your 16th place. Just use the hashtag 16th place. Um, Tour to Flanders guests at the Slow Ride Pod. And Mo, are you on uh you still have like the MM racing still going to exist? Is there still going to be updates, yes. or are you going into yeah. full silent mode? No, uh, Matt's season is is just starting. He did his first hundred k this weekend, and I think um, did he win? you know, it, well, it's, it's uh, he did he did win. He did. <laughs> All right. Um, yes, way to go, yes, Matt! Won the hundred k. So yeah, his season's just about to start, and who knows what I'll be up to? People want to know, I assume. That I'm not just sitting around getting fat or whatever. People assume find, you do. How and, would these people find out that aren't your creepers or creating Wikipedia pages? Yeah, at org, there is a page to sign up for our newsletter. org. Well, awesome. And you can find the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. And with mm-hmm. that, we'd like to thank you for listening. All right. Thank you. Thanks. <sighs> The Slow Ride Podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod.
Hey, this is Mo Bruno Roy, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. <laughs>